Hello, I'm Robin Gallagher and welcome to Ripples. Throughout our program, a series of guest speakers will share words of wisdom from their life experience and we will offer you a series of meditations so that you can take some time just to stop and listen to that voice within, that voice of the Spirit. So come and enjoy some inspired voices and treasured stillness and allow the ripple effect to begin. I am thrilled to welcome Kylie Harris onto the program today. Kylie is a singer, actress, writer, director and producer. She has a beautiful and talented daughter, Brianna, who also shares this passion for acting. Over the past 10 years, Kylie has been working in the performing arts, making theatre with people with significant disabilities. She is currently the founder and artistic director of Midnight Feast, theatre that unites. Midnight Feast has performed at the Opera House over the last decade to sold-out crowds. Prior to Midnight Feast, Kylie created Can You See Me, a theatre group within the Cerebral Palsy Alliance. When I think about Jesus, I often imagine someone standing with arms open saying, All are welcome. This is what I think of when I'm with Kylie. She has an extraordinary gift of seeing the capacity and gift in everyone she meets, and she responds to all those whom she meets with a sense of dignity, respect, compassion, and incredible joy. And it is through these gifts that she has created a path in theatre that is unique and life-giving to so many. We welcome Kylie today as she shares the story of Midnight Feast and the talented artists within this inspiring theatre company. Welcome, Kylie, to the program. It is just so wonderful to have you with us. It is really wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. Kylie, I feel incredibly honoured to sit down with you today and to hear the story of Midnight Feast. We've known each other for many years. Mm -hmm. And I've watched in awe as you have developed your theatre company. I've been to many of your extraordinary performances at the Opera House and in each of these, the theatre is filled with love, joy and sometimes tears and has concluded with a standing ovation. I know I have been changed by your stories that your cast and team have created on stage and I can see that what you've been doing is profound and life-changing for all those involved. Today, I would love to hear more about the story of Midnight Feast and about the impact it's had on you and the cast and the team who are part of this theatre company. So, Kylie, to begin, I wonder if you could tell us the story of Midnight Feast and how it came to be. The story of Midnight Feast. (laughs) It must be so big. It's huge. It's actually... uh, I started working in di- with people with disabilities in uh, 10 years ago. Yes. Uh, I found myself at the Cerebral Palsy Alliance, which was then the Spastic Centre, yes. and I found it very hard to say that those words when I first started working there. So I was very, very relieved when the name was changed to the Cerebral Palsy Alliance, and I was employed as a drama teacher, primarily a carer who was also a drama teacher. Mm. And in that, in that uh, position, I found myself... In a, in a hall in St Ives surrounded by about 10 people with s- significant disabilities 
And I thought to myself, oh, my God, what am I going to do with with these people? Like mm. how, what have I, <laughs> oh, my God, look at me. What am I doing here and how do I make this time, uh, how do I make this time interesting and um, useful yes. to the people that I was I was teaching and um, facilitating, uh, how do I facilitate workshops Mm. like this or drama classes like this? So I um, set about looking in Sydney to where people were creating work with people with disabilities in theatre. I'm a trained uh, actor myself and and have made made shows and, and, and so creating stories is a love of mine, but I didn't know how to how to make stories with people that I hadn't really spent a lot of time with yes. because these people were significantly disabled and a lot of the time they are not out in the public because our society isn't doesn't cater to their access needs. So I um, went to all the disability programs I could find and in every single workshop that I attended at the end where we had question and answer time, I would always ask about how would I, um, how would I alter or modify the, the programs or the, and the activities to suit my, my participants. And, and no one had an answer because I was actually the one in the room working with the most profoundly physically Mm -hmm. challenged. Um, and so then I set about getting to know, uh, the the people that I was working with and they were changing my my life and changing my perception that I wasn't aware that I had um I wasn't aware that I had um what's the word prejudice I wasn't aware that I thought they were different I wasn't aware that I felt superior but I became aware that I was treating them differently and I thought they weren't the same as me and it was through getting to know these people that were living in bodies that required them to be hoisted out of bed to get um, get out of bed in the morning that if they need a drink they need someone to pass them a drink um, it, it was just a slow process of learning mm. um, how to communicate with people that don't speak in the way that we all traditionally speak yes. and what I found was that the more I be, the more I began to know intimately each person, who they were, how they communicated, that was it was in the knowing of these people and then realizing, uh-huh, I know how to make a show. I know how to put a show together. So what I did was very slowly get to know. It took about two years yeah. of being with with people and it was really we just had a lot of fun and no one really cared what we did in the back of that, in that back hall because <laughs> no one really cared. Yes. So we could do what we wanted, which was fantastic. So It was built on relationship. Relationship. You know, over time. And play, and, play. and joy. Yes. And what I, what I, what really impacted me the most was, was these people, this particular group of people's capacity for joy. And it floored me because I'm thinking, here I am with all of the things, just as a human being, with my body able to do all the things that my a body is born to do. Um, and these people when were disabled, and yet they had capacity for joy that I'd never experienced in my life. 
And so it was very deeply impacting um, and it continues to be, you know. Um, so I worked out, like, so, so what I basically did, and this is how we evolved in the making, was I just applied what I know in storytelling and showmaking to creating a show that I, I knew that people would want to come and listen to and watch. I, I have always loved physical theatre and I've always been drawn to the other or people that, are, that have always interested me were people that were outside of the, the mainstream. Mm. I've just always found there's, there's more, there's more um, the spectrum of colour to play with. There's, some, there's something I've always been fascinated mm. with, um, with the other. So um, I set about working out what each person would want to say if they had the spotlight. And if they were in the spotlight, what would they want to say? And and I had I broke it down because I know that you got to keep a show under an hour because <laughs> people get <laughs> people need to go to the bathroom yes. and, and I prefer to have no interval uh, because you know <laughs> just get them in, entertain them, leave them wanting more. There's you make them laugh, make them cry. Um, so yeah, I set about writing a show with my people. Um, uh, and and then once I had created a show that I knew was absolutely exceptional and definitely a show that I that was filled with stories that I know that I would want to go to, I I went and I contacted um, Chrissy Coltai, who was my movement teacher at drama school, who I knew was an incredible physical theatre maker and choreographer, and I knew she could help me get the story from page to stage and it was that journey that was the journey because that was that was where we Chrissy and came and met the guys fell in love with them and what we were doing and that was when we set about creating a methodology of working where an artist with significant disabilities was paired with an able-bodied artist professional performer and they would become the the professional artist would join the artist with the significant disability and they would become the extension of of the artist with a disability and so the language we used was the artist with a disability was called a star and the performer the professional performer supporting them was just a performer and what that did was helped keep the focus it was about the stars being sh- the stars shining their story shining yes. so it helped keep the focus and so the actors that we that the actors that I've always known to bring into the rehearsal space are actors that have very strong improvisational skills are very talented in their own unique ways and have strengths that are vary like somebody could be great at voice or comedy or d- different mm. things but also open hearted and and that's the, they're the three things really mm. and that's what we've that's what's always been surrounding us yes. um so once we had the story and the story I wanted to call this I wanted to call the show can you see me and the premise was if my body is not acceptable to society, how can you see me? And so the question we asked was, can you see me? Mm. And that was the name of the show that I'd written. And I think we also 
I think it was also called like a pearl, a pearl of wisdom, because I wanted to give each person um, like what's your pearl yes. to the world, what's your gift, because these human beings oh. are so incredible. Yes. And I just want to acknowledge that I think when I'm saying what, I, what, what I'm probably stumbling over a little bit is because the journey has been 10 years and there has been so much evolution in the way when I first came to the work, I was working with a group of people with significant disabilities. That transitioned into me working with a group of artists. Yes. So that's been the journey. Yes. So that's why even when I was talking earlier, I, I said people and then I started using artists and in my mind I was like, oh, you haven't explained that bit. But that's part of the journey yes. was I was presented with a group of people with significant disabilities. We found a way to become artists mm. together. And to share stories with yes. the world. Yes. And that's actually the journey of Midnight Feast. But this first show that we created, which was Circumspecto, um, that show was actually performed at the Sydney Opera House at the Studio Theatre and it made history. Mm. And Angela Bishop came and Channel 10 did a really huge cover of the work and how Rob Mockler, who's a non-verbal man, is writing his own show and it was very, very exciting uh, so how we ended up at this in the studio theatre at the Sydney Opera House was because I, once we'd written the show, I started literally driving around Sydney and um, visiting all the theatres. And Brie, my daughter, was eleven at the time, and she'll be, you know, sleeping in the in the passenger seat um, <laughs> as I drove around <laughs> after hours. Um, uh, and we couldn't find a venue that could house the amount of artists on stage that were in wheelchairs mm. so the <laughs> I, I realized in the process how challenging this was going to be and so I thought well if anything's worth doing it's worth doing really well so I have all I've always loved the opera house I knew Chrissy Coltai had helped um a, a, a friend of mine who is also a performing artist perform a show at the opera house so I knew I had the caliber of name that would allow the door open so I went to the Opera House and that's where the show was put and I also knew that to attract the highest calibre of professional artists, I need to um, give them the highest level of opportunity and also that my artists have been put in substandard all their lives and kept in back halls and I realised they needed to be on the shiniest, brightest world stage. And the Opera House is a world yes, stage. The world hears the stories. The world sees you. And so that's why the studio um, at the Opera House and also why the studio theatre at the Opera House because it's a very intimate venue. Mm. And so my artists did not have to project too much of themselves to meet the audience. The The seating bank is in an, at an angle where it's a very intimate space. So when you're actually standing on the stage, it's a really beautiful stage to stand on because you are, the, you're standing and the audience feels you. So you don't, there's not too much that you have to do as a performer to be felt. So that's why the studio was just, it was this warm, delicious space where it, we were able to have like a cocoon-like experience, so that's why um, the the opera house. And um, but but 
<laughs> so the journey to Midnight Feast was I created a few more shows um, with Chrissy Coltai uh, for, the, for the Cerebral Palsy Alliance and um, we made Circumspecto and then we made Nightbook, um, The Waiting Room and Water Angel. Um, and it, it, the theatre the was still considered a theatre group but I recognised that to be of artistic merit and to be outside of a medical model and to be in an arts model was really important. And so to be acknowledged as a theatre company, we were creating shows. There was four shows at the Opera House and still being considered a day program was not was not sexy, mm-hmm. <laughs> wasn't cutting edge, mm-hmm. yet we were making cutting edge yes. theatre. This oh. theatre did not exist. Oh. And it was recognised that it was very special and it was mm. and it attracted a lot of attention. So it outgrew its place and I moved moved on and was really fortunate to find myself two weeks after leaving the Cerebral Palsy Alliance at the downstairs Belvoir Street Theatre with, with, with uh, I think, eight, eight performers and what would become Midnight Feast. Yeah. Midnight Feast mm. Theatre that unites and Belvoir Street Theatre was such a special place because that downstairs theatre is is like the walls vibrate with the stories that have been told and the calibre of artists that has been on those stages mm. under those lights and we were there and we were able to be in this incubation space where... It's palpable. It's palpable. Mm. And we were all on the stage. We were all... Because the room was so small. Mm. We, we filled the theatre and we were able to dream. We were able to stand on that stage and say, what would we like to tell the world? What would we say to the world? What do we want to call ourselves? And I was really conscious. We did not want to be called I Have a Disability Theatre. So that's why... Midnight Feast came up because the people that I work with are extremely gifted and extremely cheeky and have mm. wonderful views of the of living because of their experience in life. Yes. They are incredibly humbled and the most generous, most extraordinary, most present, most patient, most kind, most generous human beings that you will ever have the privilege of encountering and a desire to live and to live well. <laughs> They're amazing. Yeah. Blow my mind. So uh, we we sat around in the room talking about, you know, different names were thrown around, but it was actually Warwick Alsop, this incredible performer, who said Midnight Feast, and something in me just stuck because midnight is the time of sorcery, of witchcraft, of, 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 of... it could be childlike, it could be adult-like, it could be dark, it could be fun, it's magic. Mm. And feast, feast is like... The whole, like, just get a bit of everything Mm. and feast also because a lot of the artists that I work with have, have, um, the, the, every meal is potentially a life hazard. Mm. If the food is not prepared and delivered in the way that they require for their personal care needs, they could choke and they could die. Yes. So, so the name, everything about Midnight Feast is very conscious Mm. and, um, yeah, that's how that's how Midnight Feast came to be. And so at the time we were at Bel- downstairs Belvoir Street Theatre because the artistic director at the time, Brenna Hobson, had been to Glenean 
Rudolf Steiner School, and that's where my beautiful daughter Brie uh, went to school. So we went to a talk celebrating 100 years of Steiner and Brenna was talking, and so I met her that day, and so that's why when I realised I needed a place, I just have always been blessed to have been given really good ideas. Yes. <laughs> and I know yes. I know to listen to that still, quiet voice. I know the, diff- yeah. I know the voice to listen to, and, I, and I'm really fortunate that these ideas come and I have learned... Uh, the hard way to listen, <laughs> to listen, and I've learned to be discerning, um, and that's come with 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 life yes. and <laughs> and time and, and time and and the knowing that comes from having made choices that weren't necessarily healthy for myself, and then also made choices that were extremely healthy. Yeah, like and all of us, all of yes. us, all of us, beautiful, yeah. imperfectly perfect humans. Yes. So we spent. 10 weeks at Belvoir Street Theatre and then it was <laughs> it was really lucky Odile Leclasio this incredible theatre maker and performer who was studying her masters of voice at NIDA invited us to come and be her major work her major study at NIDA so it was great because um, we didn't I didn't really have a lot of money so uh, and Belvoir had been really beautiful in supplying that space at a very generous rate and so then we were able to go to NIDA and not have to pay for room hire (laughs) so we had eight weeks of a venue which was huge which was huge because we can't just go into small spaces and the space has to be accessible yes so that was incredible and being in NIDA was extraordinary and transformational Mm. the community of NIDA was so warm and it felt so beautiful. And then that eight weeks finished and we went to the Doherty Centre in Willoughby. Now, when we were there, it, it was it was lovely. However, we needed um, – we, we, <laughs> we, 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 we started – I started to get requests if we could just keep it down a little bit. And I just realised this wasn't going to work. <laughs> it wasn't going to work because we're a theatre company. Yes. And I just was like, but it wasn't so sexy, the Doherty Centre in Willoughby, <laughs> having grown up in Willoughby myself. Uh, so Georgia Cooper, one of our beautiful stars, her mum, the gorgeous Michelle Cooper, is the cousin of Dr Stephen Sewell, who's the head of writing performance at NIDA, who had come and seen our work. Mm. And he'd come backstage and was one of the gushing audience members and was just such a beautiful man. I remember he was just such a beautiful man meeting him Mm. and being struck with how beautiful he was. And he, we said, oh, we'd, you know, we'd, we'd love to work with you. And he said, yes, I'd love love that. Oh, and so what a moment. What a moment. Yeah. Uh, and so we wrote a letter to him and we said, um, we said, <laughs> dear Dr. Stephen Sewell, um, remember how you said you'd love to work with us? Well, <laughs> we would. This is it. We'd love to work with you too. And we were wondering, yes. does NIDA have a community rate for venues? Because the, the actual corporate rate is is significant, and so it should be. It's it's a it's it's our premier facility with yes. everything that you need, and it's glorious. It's just an immaculate space to work in. It's I divine. Imagine. It's very. It's. it's it reminds me of the dozers in Fraggle Rock. It's like this place where it looks like when you walk into the foyer, it's, it, is, it is in effect a theatre, 
because everywhere can t- be everywhere can be transformed into a space of performance and it is always moving wow. and the work is being exhibited and it changes all the time it's it's a working space how extraordinary and you, you walk into this into this what feels like a huge open space but you don't realize behind these like these glass walls and rooms there is so much happening mm. there is so much activity it's a beehive mm. of of just creativity and creative genius and i imagine even that space then would present possibilities new possibilities for what you could do transformative Mm. and that cafe is where all of those serendipitous chance meetings happen and people meet and you look at each other and you get to know each other and you talk and you share coffee and you get to have these incidental conversations which revolutionize and transform what is possible. Mm. And that, people say, I want to be part of this, I'm that sure, is exactly right. And yeah. so, um, so Dr. Stephen Saul invited us and we were at NIDA within two weeks. Oh. And what that did for Midnight Feast and the artists and their families and myself and our, our reputation... When people asked what you did and where you did it, they changed. The minute you mentioned NIDA, the minute I, I learned that with the opera, I knew that with the opera house and I knew that was going to happen with NIDA and it did. Mm. And so it just elevated what we were doing. Yes. And people were shocked because it hasn't been done before. Yes. There's never been a theatre company in residence at NIDA. We were the first and we were the a disability, oh, a theatre with this, a theatre company that works with people with disabilities that have been left off our stages and screens. Yeah. So, to yeah. then become the the, the theatre group in residence, quite miraculous. Mm. Wow, what what? Just a beautiful story. Yes, a beautiful story. A beautiful wow. story. Thank you for joining our program today. I hope that you can join us next week as Kylie shares more of the extraordinary story of Midnight Feast. In this next episode, you will hear more about the amazing productions and the impact of this theatre company on the lives of so many people. It is such an inspiring story and one that invites all of us to a greater awareness and activism. Have a lovely week and I look forward to being with you next time.